Hello, everybody. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. I'm Russ Frustick. And welcome to the Resties, where the best of the rest discuss the rest of the best. This week, we are talking about Elden Ring. More Elden Ring. But here's the good news. One, we're not going to give you all the spoilers, but we are going to help you play and or enjoy the game. Because after doing this week's uh, Best Use episode, we realized, uh, especially from uh, comments on our, our Twitter, a lot of folks want to get into this game, but don't really know how. So we're going to help you with that. And then in the second half, we're going to talk about the new free spinoff of Portal, a game that we've talked about uh, quite a bit on this show. So that's it. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'll see you on the other side. Okay. Elden Ring. I I think there are two ways that you can get into Elden Ring. And they'll sound obvious, but they are, are you different. talking about me when you say you? Do you mean me, Russ? Mm, well, no, because you're actually better than video games than I am. So I feel like I can't, like, patronize yeah. you. But, like, as somebody who is maybe hasn't played a lot of From Software games, mm. but sees that this is the conversation in all of video games and, like, kind of all of entertainment right now. Yeah. Um. And they're like, hey, I want, I want to get into this. You can play the game, and we're going to help you do that. Or you can watch the game, which is quite valid. In fact, I would say just as valid with a game like this. And we'll talk about like what that means, too. Because it's not as simple as, like, oh, just turn on YouTube. So first, I think we should talk about the play the game thing. And then we'll talk about ways that you can watch it while still kind of getting a feel for the game. That sound good to you? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so if we're talking about playing the game, what would you say are the things that people should know just, like, right before going in? Uh, yeah, so we kind of alluded to this a little bit during Besties, but I thought we would dive in a little deeper here. Um, if you've never, ever touched a From Software game before, you we kind of need to know if you could reach through the podcast and tell us your familiarity with games like Skyrim or similar large RPGs, that would certainly help, but I'm going to assume you've not touched those either. And in that case, the way to approach this game is basically think of it like you're walking your way, you yourself, not even like a fantasy character, but you yourself are walking into a fantasy world and you should treat everything in that world like it can kill you. Every single thing. So always, you know, it's a lot of like slow, careful steps until you sort of and uh, ingratiate yourself with this world and familiarize yourself with it to the point where you sort of start getting some of the rules, but there are a lot of unspoken rules as well. So uh, I guess we could sort of speak to that as well. You know that book Hatchet? Yes. Where he, he, like, he has to survive in the wilderness. Yes. And, like, it was either even... that or Julie and the Wolves for me. And I read Julie the Wolves, but I'm familiar, You're familiar with, with the, the other hatchet. one. Yeah. And it's that, like, you know, it turns out being in the wilderness is uh, very tough and unforgiving, um, but rewarding. Yes. That's how this is. Where the biggest mistake you could do or make is play it like a Assassin's Creed, where you can just run and run and run, and it's going to be very uh, easy for you to just plow through the world but because you're moving so fast you don't appreciate what you're seeing yeah. this game yeah it's slowing you down because it's difficult but because you are you know slowly working through the world watching how everything reacts to you and those things around it you actually develop a nice appreciation for this like semi-realistic environment that you're in think of it like a cornfield okay 
if you're if you're harvesting a cornfield, how do you do it? You start in the center and you go in concentric circles until you get all the corn, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either, but I just made a big assumption about how you harvest corn. But that is how I would recommend you start this. You're going to start and you're going to be plopped into the open world after about 15 minutes of like throat clearing intro stuff, tutorials. And once you're there, just uh -huh. do little circles. How do until, you, How does what? the corn harvester get to the middle of the corn? They walk and then they start doing the circles. You think that corn is harvested by hand? I'm sure somebody's harvesting the corn by hand. It can't be all machines. This is the most bonkers thing you've ever said. You've never, I, I am, I am flabbergasted. Maybe I'm just thinking of the crop circles, this how they do not, crop circles. Okay. Well, okay. Now that'll connect us back. We're, I'm, I'm pulling us back to our Please. guidance here. I think we are proud to say that the besties and resties fully support people playing astrologer. Speaking of crop circles that are speaking to the, the heavens. Yeah, yeah. I would say either astrologer or prisoner. They're both pretty similar yes. um, insofar as they both use a little bit of melee and a little bit of magic. If you prefer like ranged magic, go astrologer. If you prefer more melee, go prisoner. But having a little bit of magic is really important if you're new to From Software Games because it means you can kind of pick away at people from range and not have to like memorize counters and memorize special attacks and stuff like that. But you use uh, range as your friend in this game. Yeah, if, you, if you're familiar with games like Skyrim and Zelda, Prisoner, a great option. If you truly have never played any game like this and you are just taking, diving fully into the deep end, Astrologer, a thousand percent. Because what that'll allow you to do is keep a very uh, large gap between you and everything that is trying to like eat you alive. Yeah, there uh, only there is one minor downside to astrologer, mm. and I and again I, I mentioned this briefly on besties, but to go in a little bit deeper, it can be a little bit difficult to see whether you're fighting the things that you should be fighting, because frequently I found myself fighting things that were like much later in the game for me, but because I was able to kind of pick them off and like chip their health away using ranged attacks, it was doable for me. This seems like a great problem for us all to have. I think that is kind of a good problem. You're yeah, right. You yeah, because then you that just means that you're having a nice time. And yeah, you're probably I, getting- Yeah, you will get to a, it should be noted, you will get to a point where you just get your fuck, your shit fucked up. Like you, you'll just get like wrecked which is what happened to me eventually, it just takes longer. So if you're looking to see more of the game, it, it probably will let you see more of the game quicker than you would if you were um, just meleeing your way through. Which gets us to the next point, which is you want to walk around this world and talk to everyone who will talk with you and keep talking to them until they keep saying the same thing over and over again. Because you will think, hey, I talked to this person. I got what I got what they had to say. Then you will talk to them three or four more times. They'll keep telling you new things. And then they'll give you some crucial item that you need to enjoy the game. Only after you've talked to them three or four more times. Yes. yes. So if you meet a person who cannot, you cannot target them with your weapon by pressing down the right joystick, you should talk to them and you should keep talking to them until that option is no longer available to you or they are saying the same thing over and over again. At which point, if they're a merchant, you can buy or sell something or you can do whatever else you want. But talk, yeah. talk, talk. 
um, no matter how silly the story seems. I do think the story is more enjoyable in this one, even if it is like still kind of meaningless. Yeah, I don't fully understand every aspect of it, but that's how I put all of the front software games. I do not, all I understand is I'm going to try to break down what I've like grokked after fucking 50 hours or however long I've played. Okay, there was a ring. It was like really powerful. It got broken. People were upset about it. Uh Some people took the pieces of the broken ring and like went off to their little corners of the land and went like mad with power. And now it's up to you to bring the pieces back and fuse them together to make the Elden Ring and become the new Lord of this realm. It is not far off from like Lord of the Rings, basically. Yeah. And uh, that's fine. The, The stories that I actually personally engage with are not the overarching stories in this game. Focus on the little stories. There's like, you'll meet people and they'll have like a little background and they'll, you know, have their own motivations and own requests and stuff like that. Just focus on those little stories and you'll be really engaged. Okay. So we've got it figured out that you talk to the people that you can talk to. Yes. Keep talking to them. Keep talking to them. It's like converting to Judaism. If you ask once, they might say no. If you ask three times, maybe they'll say yes after three times. Wait, are that's you for real? Yeah, that's actually a rule. When you, I mean, it's traditional, but the idea is you're supposed to be turned or re- turned away multiple times when you're going to convert to Judaism as a way to sh- prove that you're that interested in converting to Judaism. Wow, I didn't. It know came this. up in Sex in the City. <laughs> okay, so we cover a lot of bases on this show. <laughs> you, you've talked to your friends as yes. much as you can. Let's say the opposite is happening, that you are trying to engage with your enemies in this game and you're fighting them and they keep killing you over Mm. and over again. What do you do? Well, you could be sad. You could quit the game uh, or you could just run past them. It is shocking how much of this game you could just run right past. And I I don't mean like you should just skip everything because you really shouldn't. But if you find yourself, let's say there's a boss fight and you're having difficulty with the boss fight. And in order to get to the boss fight, you've got to kill the same dozen guys over and over again. More often than not, you really don't have to kill those guys. You can just sprint right past them into the boss fight and not even worry about it. And it saves much more time. So highly recommend just doing that. The other thing you could do is say that you get to a boss fight and you're like not even getting 50% of the health knocked down. And you've tried like six or seven times. Just leave. Yeah. Just go somewhere else. The yeah. world is big and rich with things to do, much like the real world. <laughs> go and do that. And then, you know, come back four hours later, having learned so much from your journey and having gained so much power from harvesting runes that you will find that this boss fight is much easier. One, because you're more powerful. So it's just easy, quite literally easier in that way. But two, by playing the more of the game that you play, the more familiar with its kind of tempo and energy you'll be, which will make dodging or maintaining your distance from an enemy or parrying or anything uh, all the easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just not spending time on something that is annoying you, if it's annoying you, like not just frustrating, but just straight up annoying, stop playing it. Just stop. Be, Be nice to yourself. I would also add, if you do decide, hey, I can't do this right now, it's too hard for me, you can pull up your map 
and put a little marker down. They, they have these little like different uh, icons that you can put choose. So for example, when I fight a boss that is too hard for me, I put a skull icon on the map. So I remember, oh, that was a tough boss. I got to come back. And when I beat it, I put a little flag on that icon and I feel really satisfied in myself. There are also a lot of things you can do to make yourself more powerful, whether it is try to get the enemies stuck in the environment and then cheese, you know, shots at them. And there's a lot of spots where you can do that. You can do that. You can release the spirit ashes, which you should unlock a few hours in, which uh, are these like ghost non-playable characters who will support you. You can uh, use the items in your inventory that invite other people to play alongside you and fight alongside you. Uh, there are any number of, of ways to kind of put the odds in your favor. And, oh, here, here's one that's simple. If you, I think it's L1 and R1 and the Y button or the top button on your D-pad, or not D-pad, your uh, button pad, you you can dual wield, so you use two hands to to hold a, a weapon, and that makes you more powerful, uh, which can be a humongous help when playing uh, against a boss because the difference between winning and losing can be just a fraction of health that both of you have left at the end of the. Does fight. that work with spells as well, or is that just melee? I think it's just melee. I, I should yeah. look at the numbers, but I I will dual do dual wield with spells but don't notice like a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've mixed and matched and, and haven't noticed a huge difference either, but um, I would actually recommend if you are casting, use your other hand for a shield is the obvious answer, but even more useful for me at least, go buy a torch. Oh. There are, um, there you have two lighting options in this game that I've found at least. You can put a little light on your belt. It's called a lantern. You buy them from a vendor that you might come across. And those are great. You just hit X and there's a lantern on your belt. But it's very dim and it only kind of has a small circle around you. But if you're holding a torch and you hold it up in the air using L1, for example, the entire area is going to be lit up. So if you're going through like a cavern or something like that, you'll be able to see enemies before they start moving towards you and you can line up uh, ranged attacks and stuff like that. I I love using torches, even though I try to like keep a very light class so I can roll fast. I always have a torch on me. Never, ever, ever not have a torch. It's extremely useful. I've never used a torch in this. Oh my God. I know. I just, you know, I, I, I just spam the lock on button and I wait for it to find an enemy. If Have you darkness. fallen down any holes? You know what? I haven't, but yeah. I'm also a pro gamer. Yeah. I might just have terrible vision. Uh, speaking of falling down holes, spend your runes. And, and that means, so when you kill things in this game, you uh, get runes, which then can be used to upgrade your attributes like intelligence which makes your spell stronger or strength or dexterity which makes it so you can cast more spells faster um all these different things the the issue is when you die you drop all of the runes that you have acquired and haven't spent and i have seen a number of people on twitter who are new to these games basically be like well uh, it's okay i'll just earn some new ones 
No. Yeah. Keep building up the runes and 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 spend them when you have an opportunity to finally spend them. There's no reason to sit on them. Um they basically building up your character is what is going to make this game more uh approachable and enjoyable and that that's like the whole process. So if you yeah. are going out for a couple hours uh killing things and then dying and then just doing it all over again and not not actually building up those runes I don't want to say that it's a waste of time because however you want to spend your time is up to you. And I hope you get pleasure out of it, but it certainly is not going to be the most effective use of your time. If you want to make progress in the game. And I would say of all of the things, there's not actually a lot of things that you can like vastly screw up when you're uh, leveling up your character. Spending the runes on certain attributes is the one thing that you can actually like, almost permanently screw up for your character because the only way to undo that is going to be many hours in. So I'd strongly recommend if you're playing a caster, for example, just focus on intelligence and your hit points. I think it's called vigor in this game. If you're getting one hit, if if, uh, enemies are hitting you once and you instantly die, you probably need a little bit more health. So intelligence, health, and then if you're running out of mana, drop some into mana. And, and with those three stats, you will be golden. You don't have to worry about any other stats. Don't touch strength. Don't touch dexterity. Just worry about those three stats and you're, you're terrific. Okay, so the next point I, I caution because I realize it ties into one of the questions that we got on uh, the Best Use Twitter account. So okay. I, I say go in any direction, not just where the game points you. That said, uh, from Kami Esquire... Uh, on on Twitter, uh, they said, this is my first Souls-like and I have pretty rambunctious ADHD and executive function. So entering this open world with no discernible objective is overwhelming. How do you decide what to do? Here's how I think we can split the difference. The game will kind of point you in various directions. Sometimes on the map, literally, you will light a campfire, or they call them sites of grace, and it will create an arrow of a direction that you could go yep. next. You can follow that. You could also go in any direction. But when you go in that direction and then you reach uh, an area where a new name pops up on the screen, like Misty's Stormvale Castle. Stormvale Castle, sure. Maybe not that one because that one's quite difficult. But (laughs) when a name pops up, that's when you can say, great, I'm going to chill out here for a minute, see what the deal is here, and try to make kind of a game session of just this spot yeah most places that have a name have something to gain from it whether that is a seed to help you increase the health that you can use over your game or the magic spells that you can use maybe it has like a dungeon if you like see ruins anywhere separate from runes uh if you see ruins there is often uh, a stairwell going into the ground and a little micro dungeon there that will have a small boss fight and a reward. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of a nice way of not totally getting distracted, but still not feeling pressured to stay on the critical path. Yeah, completely agree. I do want to mention one thing that I think some people might roll their eyes at, especially Souls fanatics. But um, I would definitely recommend going into this without looking things up, walkthroughs or, you know, advice, stuff like that beyond what we're saying here, which is, again, pretty top level. But 
if you find like you're that you're stuck or having a really miserable time, there are actually moments in this game, Plant can speak to one of them, where you will literally feel like the game is just like, like you have to start from scratch because you've gotten yourself into such a bad situation that there's no escaping it. Don't be afraid to look stuff up. Plant, do you want to talk about your moment? I emailed a publicist because I thought the game was broken. It's <laughs> <laughs> not great. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I opened a treasure chest. It teleported me to hell. And I was stuck in a cave full of evil prawns that shot needles at me. And I fought my way through that cave up and up and up for a couple of hours. And then at the top of the cave was a boss fight that I didn't want to do. So I was like, great, I'll teleport out of here. I don't give a shit anymore. And the screen was like, nope, you're stuck. You can't <laughs> teleport until you find a spot of grace, which are these kind of like teleport spots. And I was like, well, that's bad because I've looked at every inch of this cave. I've gone all the way up and there's nothing here. That's because I didn't look down. If you just literally go down... Like, literally, if you just sprint from the, the place that you get teleported to, just sprint down for a minute, there is a way to exit the entire cave system. It does take you out into a place that's equally dangerous, but you can at least teleport from there. And you uh, can go back to where you came yeah, from. Yeah, you can go back basically. to where you came from. So it's totally, totally fine. I, personally, if you if you played some... Souls games. Yeah, I, I think that's good guidance. If you haven't played anything, watch as much as you can. Because there are so many little idiosyncratic things about these games. From all the stuff that we've talked about already, to how the characters move and strategy. That just seeing it and knowing what it looks like to play it well helps a lot. Um, we have a, We have a bunch of questions here. Um, from from listeners but that's the one that we got more than anything this week um i i just picked a, a random one but joe uh asked if i bounced off of every other souls like do uh, i stand a chance of enjoying this game and the answer is yes big time yes uh because it is just that much more approachable and all of the time that you put into souls likes will pay off here I, I I really believe that if you've already put some time into those games, it will make this game so much more uh, welcoming and enjoyable from the for early, early hours. If you've played none of these games, that's like a tougher, yeah. that's a tougher sell. Yeah, I'd, I'd also add, if you have been bouncing off Souls games, you're going to start this game and they're going to kind of nudge you to like go to the big giant castle that's right in front of you. Don't. Do not do that. That is the most soulsy place you could possibly go with the, you know, long space between checkpoints and super hard enemies and stuff like that. Stick to caves and stick to like little little castles are fine. Little towers, ruins, all that stuff is fine. It's all stuff you can beat in 15, 20 minutes tops. Um, save the ca the big, big castle for later when you feel more comfortable and you want to try to take it on. And even then, if you find it too frustrating, leave and go to somewhere else because there's no reason to drive yourself nuts. There's so much in this game that uh, will give you alternative fun. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, we're going to uh, do a rapid fire set of questions. But before that, on the on the watching this game part, because I do want to talk about that. 
If you yeah. do feel uh, too intimidated by this or it's just not your cup of tea, I would wa- recommend watching a stream of it, honestly, from the beginning and just poke around. Don't feel like pressured to watch all of it. It's a long game. But I think finding a YouTuber or a Twitch streamer who is playing the entirety of the game, that that is a fun way to see kind of the weirdness that the game has to offer. Because I'm going to contradict myself in a second. It doesn't boil down to 10 minutes especially well. Like what makes these games so special is all of the surprises and the breadth of what's happening. And I think you'll only get that by turning on a, a stream of the game from the beginning and then skimming through it. That said, uh, I think uh, a YouTuber like SkillUp, who does kind of long reviews, that is kind of a fun way to get an idea of what is cool about this game and actually see it, not just hear us talking about it. And, I mean, really, just <laughs> like YouTube search Elden Ring and look at all of the silly stuff like Elden Ring overpowered or Elden Ring a trillion runes in one minute or Elden Ring all of the spirit ashes the siller like the sillier the video sounds the more fun it will be to watch especially out of context because it's just people trying to break this game um yes. and as we get further from release day and people find more and more ways to break the game those videos are going to get all the funnier yeah i'm very excited This game is going to exist in TikTok and YouTube for as long as Breath of the Wild has existed, if not longer. It's going to be pretty great. Yes. Um, Okay, so we asked uh, Twitter for some guidance that we could provide. I'm going to go through that really quick. First, from Josh, I'm awful at Souls games and really want to play Eldering. What's the best beginner-friendly build for newcomers? We talked earlier about prisoner and uh and astrologer Astrologer. the one caveat is where should you invest your your experience points for those yeah just to reiterate uh so if you're cat if you're primarily casting intelligence um uh mind which increases your mana um a little bit of vigor which is for health not a ton you could stop at 20 that's fine and um you want a little bit and yeah, de- de- you can ignore dexterity. Don't <gasps> touch it. Oh, I'm telling never you, been more wrong. Ignore it. Um, uh, you need endurance though, because endurance not only lets you wear heavier armor, it gives you more stamina, which lets you cast for longer. If you run out of stamina, you need to wait for it to recharge before you can cast again. So, endurance, intelligence, uh, mind, vigor. Uh, from Brett, I know the game is hard, duh, but it's also open world. That was uh, Brett's duh, not my duh at Brett. Understood. <laughs> it's also open world. So how do I balance between wanting to continue the critical path but genuinely not having the skill level to continue? What are some fun things to do when you feel like you can't do anything? We mentioned the uh, going from one place and just really dedicating yourself to that area. But in terms of fun stuff... It, I the horse controls like a Sega arcade game <laughs> and just like hopping on the horse and seeing what weird places you can get to with a horse that can double jump and effectively drift is a nice way to kill a half hour. Yes. Um I am many many hours into this game and I frequently go back to the starting area and find things that I missed. So you will not hurt for like new things to see or new places to lo- uh, to find. Uh, take a look at your map. And if there's anything like weird on the map, so like 
if it looks like a little city or a little house on the map, but there's not like an actual waypoint delineating it, head there and see what's up. I did the same thing in Breath of the Wild, and in both cases, it always works out. There's always something interesting there. Yeah, the map in this game is so useful for looking yeah. not useful at all at first. I mean, yeah. it tells you tons of stuff if you actually just look at the artwork. Um, I know this is a question that you will have strong feelings about, Fresh, from mm. Goo the Mighty. Actual question, do you guys have a favorite spirit summon? Um, so, well, Plant will be surprised to learn. So originally I was using this, there's this hawk, like oh. a giant hawk that you can summon and he flies around and helps you. Um, I've since abandoned the hawk, I'm sorry to say, in wow. favor of its, I forget his name, it's like a bloodhound warrior, not bloodhound gang, mm -hmm. <laughs> but a bloodhound warrior or something like that, uh, who is very, very good and I mean, effectively, because I'm a caster, I'm just looking for guys that will maintain the attention of a boss. So close range melee, like high damage, or even like a crowd of melee guys, anything that'll just keep the attention on them while I stand back and, and cast stuff. Yeah, so these spirit summons, these are like ghosts that you can call on to help you during mostly boss fights and some open world stuff. Mine yeah. is a effectively a boss. They are the size of a boss. It is a headless warrior mm. who has a giant shield and a giant flaming uh, pike that he will use to attack up close or throw from a distance. And he can uh, effectively teleport across the battlefield. That's he amazing. I have not found this ghost yet. So so overpowered so overpowered and the great thing about him is like fresh said you want somebody who will be able to distract the bosses most of these characters don't teleport or have shields so they might be useful for a little bit and they'll bring the health down on a boss but then the boss will just slaughter them this character the second he starts to get attacked just disappears and goes somewhere across the battlefield and starts attacking from range immensely helpful like, just immensely, immensely helpful. Uh, Do you want to give people a tip as to where they might find this fellow? Headless Elden Ring. Let's see what this says. Lutel? L-H-U-T-E-L, the headless. I'll let people Google that okay. if they want to. Um, and you can upgrade this character and if you want to figure out how to do that, I'll also let you Google that because I don't want to spoil that for folks. That's nice. Um, uh, okay, let's see what else we got here. Uh, from uh, Coda, do the quality of life improvements equal an easier game? Particularly mounted combat feels like cheesing it. I don't think the mounted combat, hmm. For now, spellcasters, they're... it can help. It can it can help, but I would also say like when you're able to do mounted combat, which is to say in the open world, like you can't do it in a dungeon, but in the open world, usually those uh, fights are balanced for it. So if you're usually you're fighting like a big dragon that's super fast, and if you're on foot, you just have no prayer whatsoever. So it is balanced for mounted combat. Uh, it's tough unless you have like a really long range melee weapon to be able to mounted do like melee effectively unmounted um but i do you know to the first part of this question quality of life improvements of like even just having a map there's never really been a souls game that had like an actual usable map 
Um, so that's a huge help. Being able to put markers down, huge help. Even just like being able to like hit a button in the menus and find out what each of the things does. So like you can, I think it says like explanation in the menu and you can just scroll down and see like, oh, I know vigor increases my HP or whatever. Uh, this this increases my stamina. So like explaining everything about the UI. Um, all that stuff is really helpful. There's uh, tool tips and stuff like that that weren't there before. So yes, I would say it's easier insofar as you get more information. Uh, last question for us. Uh, this one um, is from Dat Fiorini. Uh, what do you think about the NPC and quest encounters? I have enjoyed the more overt storylines in this much more than previous Souls games. Do you prefer the old, more mysterious and I'm too storytelling or this? Oh man, I love this question. Good question. Uh, there are two types of quests in this game and, and both were referenced in this question. There are the like overt, like, hey, you should go to this place and find this person and talk to them and they'll help you out. Um, and those are usually pretty precise, but there are also the obtuse quests that are, man, I had one where it was like, go to this location and he, he's in this spot, but the spot that it was, uh, calling out is like a third of the entire map. It was like an enormous portion of the map (laughs) was covered by this spot and, I spent long, it's really the literally the only thing that I've ever looked up for Elden Ring was this quest. And when I looked it up, I was so glad that I did because not only was it in that like giant, giant area in one like specific corner, but it was behind an invisible wall that in a million billion years, I would never ever think to hit that wall to find uh, an opening. It wasn't marked. There's no indication now, if there had been a convenient note written by someone in front of the wall, maybe. But even then, the area is huge. The idea that I would even see that wall and then see the note, very unlikely. So if you like one versus the other, you've got them both in this game. Yay. Yeah, I, and I think the story, like the top-level story, is just parsable enough to be enjoyable now without having to feel like, I gotta read every single weapon description to even know the basics of what's yeah. going on. Um, but that is a good tip, by the way. If you if you are stumped on a quest, make sure you read the item description. You usually will get a clue as to where you should be going. Yeah, that, that's a good not, point. But you should also read the item descriptions in full of your uh, weapons or armor because sometimes they have special attributes that you would never know unless yeah. you, you read those things. So in that way... Still Dark Souls, baby. They still got yep. it. Um, I think that's it. Do you have any do you have any final tips? No, man. I, I would say just don't be afraid. Take it all in, take it slow, and uh have a good time with it. There there is just so much to this game, and I'm consistently blown away by how high quality all of it is. There's just no cruft. It is just all the prime beef in this game. <laughs> yeah, and 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 if you don't beat any boss and you still have a nice time, that's a great way to play this game. Because most people don't finish any of the games they play anyway. So there's no difference. Like I think you said earlier, like there is no measurement of success other than you having a nice time. And that's all that matters. Yes. Okay, let's talk about another game in just a moment. 
Fresh, I have a Steam Deck. I know. I've been loving it. It has been revelatory. I have put in so much time into Elden Ring. Also, Dragon Quest XI. Oh my gosh. I mean, that game's already on Switch. People should just be playing it wherever they can play it. But it looks so gorgeous on this device. I am absolutely smitten with it. A game I am not as smitten with is a new free game called Aperture Desk Job. But yeah, I, feel I like heard we about should this. talk about it. Yeah, I, I heard about this. Um, and I was really excited because, as people might know, Portal, and specifically Portal 2, one of my favorite, favorite games of all time. And I really, really love the VR Aperture demo game that came out with the Vive where people could sort of like, it's like a little like set in the portal universe, this like demo of like what VR can do. So my impression was this game would basically be the same idea, but for the Steam Deck. Yes, and I think that was a, a good idea. So you are a, a effectively a toilet tester in this game. Mm. To talk about this game is going to require talking about spoilers. It's a 30 minute game. So if you if you really want to play it before we talk about it, totally understand. Hit pause right here. We'll catch you on the other end. Uh, and 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 I hope you have a, a better time than I did, honestly, with it. Um, so you're a, you you are a, a toilet tester, and uh, that changes quite rapidly as you t- modify a toilet to become a weapon, and then. Uh, things just go haywire from there. You, you, just chaos and true, you know, uh, aperture science fashion, like in the Portal games. Uh, the problem is they want it to feel like you are testing, I guess, the Steam Deck in a certain way. So you see the buttons that you are using on the Steam Deck on the screen. Sure. Um, in front of your character, first person point of view, is this testing tablet and it has like two joysticks and it has buttons and when you press or move the joysticks or buttons they that that responds on screen it's a neat idea especially for new user interfaces like uh in virtual reality right where it's like oh i am i am learning to use this at the exact same time as the character i'm playing is learning how to use it yeah um and it's teaching me in a cool fictional way I think that was the intention. Here's the problem, though. It's just a controller. Right. So you're you're learning to use a controller that, if you're the type of person to own a Steam Deck, presumably you've used, I don't know, for at least a decade, maybe more, probably more, um, which is weird. So it's like, oh, press A, and you press A, and hold down But X, I will say, hold it's interesting because- because I have seen that exact thing done quite well, which is with the Astrobot games. Like there was the initial like tech demo for I think PlayStation Four, and then obviously Astro's Play whatever. So there's Astro's Playroom, and then the new Astro game on PlayStation Five. And both of those cases, you are using a controller, but you're using like all of the weird bells and whistles yes. that don't frequently happen on the controller. Exactly. So, and is that the, not happening here? Well, the, the, there aren't many weird bells and whistles. Got the, it. The, the weird bells and whistles are there are two trackpads, yeah. which you don't really use in any interesting way in this. Um, there are buttons on the back of the device, but that's still just kind of buttons. Yeah. The touchscreen. Touchscreens have been around in portable gaming for a long time now. Um, so, yeah, it, it doesn't... It, it's like... <laughs> 
surprisingly thin. Um, yeah. And then the actual play of it all just feels very imprecise. It's not like a, um, a what is it, the uh, QTEs, quick time events yeah, where sure. you're controlling like a movie. But at times it kind of feels almost like it because sure. it's so structured. And I think yeah. that is because they built it around a story that is like a little bit of additional context about a popular character in Portal 2. Mm. And getting to hear from that character again, it's neat. It's, it's pretty yeah. cool. Um, but that's about it. And I think that they... I wonder how much they were aware of this by the decision to call it Aperture Desk Job and not tie it to Portal or Half-Life really whatsoever. Well, I don't think... I think the last one, the VR one, was also not like mentioned as a portal thing. I think it was called Aperture or something. Yeah, else. and it seems like this is like, yeah, part of what they do when they have new hardware. Yeah. So I'm glad they made it. I'm just a little bummed. I'm a little bummed because they they tend to only make hits, right? Like the sure. stuff they make tends to be pretty great. Um, and this is just fine. It's just yeah. Fine. It's I mean. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. It, it's it's free, and also you don't even need a Steam Deck to play. No. It. Anyone can play it on their PC, is my understanding. So um, I guess you could try it for yourself. I haven't played it yet. I plan on playing it because again, I'm a huge Portal fan. I'm wondering if I should just wait until the Steam Deck arrives, whenever that's going to be. No. But no, no, just play it. <laughs> I think, okay, well, I'll and, just play and, it. Like, I, I think that is like a much better way of going into it. If you know, hey, this is just like a fun half hour. Yeah. And especially if you like the Portal series and you like yeah. that lore, I think you'll like it a lot more. You were I, expecting a life-changing moment. No, I was expecting anything that made use of the Steam Deck in an interesting way. Sure. <laughs> I was expecting one kind of, oh, oh that's that's pretty clever. And yeah. I, I did not get that. Um, yeah. And if I had my expectations reset, it probably would have come out of it better. But hey, it's free. Um, you Okay, so you mentioned... Aperture Desk Job, you mentioned uh, Dragon Quest. Was there anything else that is like sucking your life away in terms of the uh, Steam Deck game-wise? I, I mean, mean, Elden Ring. You've been playing a lot of Elden Ring. Yeah, uh, Elden Steam Ring Deck. has been like my number one thing. I, I'm trying to think of like the stuff that... What is the I, oldest I, game that you've booted up on on Steam? Not, not. This isn't the oldest game, but the one that I put the most time into that is older is... Half-Life, Half-Life yeah. 1 and Half-Life 2, hmm. um, just because, you know, I haven't gotten to play those on a portable. And they yeah. feel quite good. Half-Life 2 especially, it feels really cool playing that. I think I think one of the games that I'm going to play is, weirdly, Dark Souls 2. Because mm. it, was, it was updated like a year after launch, and apparently they fixed a lot of stuff in like the Sins of a Soul, whatever. I forget the yeah. expansion pack name. But... It's a game that I've always wanted to play. It's like one of the very few from software games I've never played. Um, it was very recently game of the year, apparently, for the besties. Uh, but honestly, like even so, so Souls, the uh, you know from software Souls games are still pretty damn good. And uh, it'd be cool to be able to play one that I've never played before. I really so. liked that one. That was the one that I really got into for a while. Dark Souls Two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the yep. the other stuff, I mean, Red Faction Guerrilla is just like oh yeah, a game that I feel like I always want to play. Yep. Um, and I'm I'm trying to get into the Zero Escape and Dangon Ropa mm -hmm. games. 
um, which are like visual novel mystery games. Um, Zero Escape especially, I think they were available on 3DS and Vita, um, but I missed them then. And now that I like stuff like 13 Sentinels, I keep hearing that I should check them out. So I've started Zero Escape, but I have not made nearly as much of a dent in it as I would like to have because Elden Ring, I mean, it just like eats your time alive. And then we have other stuff that we need to play. I'm going to be playing Tunic on this. I'm sure this week because we're going to be playing that next week. Well, not next week. Well, yeah, we're going to be playing it soon Two enough. Weeks. Soon enough. Uh, I will. We'll we'll jump right to recommendations this week. I'll be really honest. Uh huh. Every spare minute that I have not been either caring for my child or working ha- has gone to uh, playing Elden Ring. So I wish that I had other recommendations. I mean, I watched an episode of Doom Patrol. That was like it in terms of not like Elden Ring centric things that have happened. So I wish that I had recommendations, but I really do not. I saw a sad, I did see a sad movie that I like didn't love. So you would probably like it, but. No. What is it? It was it was first reformed the sh- oh, uh, Schrader movie from a couple right, of years like ago. That movie, yeah, I'll bet you do. <laughs> I saw that movie in a uh, in a theater, um, and it was just me and uh, two much older uh, women. And uh, after the movie ended, they went, "Really? That's it?" <laughs> um, which is almost identical to an experience I had with watching a serious man. And I, I like yeah. that I seem to be a magnet for that sort of reaction. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. That, that movie's a hard hang. I don't know it why is. you watched that. It was, yeah. We have a movie club. That's, it was an oh, assignment. <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds like work. Um, speaking of the sad movies, uh, After Yang comes out. Yeah, uh, I actually am definitely interested in this one. Yeah, it's actually, I realize it's, it is out. Um, and I think you can stream it on Showtime. I think E24 mm-hmm. is releasing it in theaters and on Showtime. And it, it's fantastic. Um, it's like a her thing, right? No. Robot people? <laughs> yeah, kind of. A little bit more AI in terms of its like deep sadness. Oh, got uh, it. And it, it has to do with um, children and... Yeah, replacing... Yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah. I don't okay. want to say too much about it because the movie really is about kind of its own discovery. But Colin Farrell is in it and he is excellent the director also made a movie called columbus um which uh is great and i think on hulu um if you like brutalist architecture which again i understand it sounds more pretentious than i'm trying to be here it's just this is not the gerard depardieu columbus no this movie is like what if you made garden state but good is is my pitch for it like legitimately it's very good um, but it has a very similar premise to, to Garden State. Also, Parker Posey's in it, so yeah. right there you know it's going to be fun. A little. She's great. She's great. Indie darling Parker Posey. Indie darling Parker Posey. I cleaned up her dog's poo-poo when I worked on a TV show, <laughs> Parker Posey. Um, but that's a story for another time. For now, I think that's the episode. I think so. Great. We did it. Um, thank you all. For listening, this has been another episode of the Resties, where the best of the rest discuss the rest of the best. I think that's right. Don't have it. You in nailed front of it. Me. Next uh, uh, episode of the Resties, we're going to talk about Tunic, 
That will be in two weeks. Uh, it is a uh, banana Zelda-like video game. Did you say um, banana? Yeah, it's a little. It's a little callback to Friday's Besties. Oh right. <laughs> um, and and that's it. And we did it. I will. We will see you all next time. Bye.